Great job, Richard. Oh, I'm not supposed to say shit like that. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I'm Jeff Hopkins. I'm joined as usual by my good friends Richard Manfredi. Hello. And Michael Winfield. Howdy. Richard and Michael spend a lot of their time arguing with each other about the Mount Rushmore of life, the four things that best represent a certain topic. We've gotten kind of esoteric on this episode of the Mount Rushmore podcast, and we've chosen the four elements, earth, wind, fire, and water. Michael, was this your suggestion? This was mine. Uh, a little uh, behind the scenes on how we select topics for this. Just It's just random. Oh, it's random. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just, you know, some free-form thinking. Kind of free on. jazz, a little free jazz thinking there. Freestyle. Yeah. And uh, we just get onto our little uh, Facebook group and just say, hey, this, 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 this is a bad idea. I'm going to write it down anyway. Because yeah. you never know when you're going to come back to it. But I keep saying, but how about puppets? And they say, no, no, no. But Muppets. 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 Not named Kermit. So this was one that came to you. Why did this? I don't know. I was just, yeah. I, I was just one of those earth. There's four things in it, and it seemed like we could get four different interesting uh, conversation yeah. pieces. Now these yeah. were chosen. We did something that was, I guess, kind of similar in that we took um, a category. We took four different gogurts and tried gogurts. them. <laughs> don't remind me of the fiasco. But we did seven wonders of the world, of the ancient world. Oh yeah, we did our, our favorite wonder, the, yeah. the the wonders of the world. And these people probably know, were considered the four elements and how easy science class would have been way back then, right? When the periodic table... Yeah, chemistry would have been so much easier. <laughs> uh, but we've done a little twist on it in that we are going to take these earth, wind, fire, and water as inspirations for the, the things that represent that that we really dig. So you're, you chose it. Who, who gets to start then, Michael? Richard goes first. Sure, I'll go ahead and go first. So I guess we'll start off with earth. Makes sense for everybody. And then, Michael, you can give your earth. It's where we are. It's it's where it's at. Um, and this one was actually suggested by my wife, which I would like to point out just so people, whenever I actually say what it is, people don't immediately start screaming at me. Um, it's mud wrestling. Sexist <laughs> pig. You sexist, misogynistic pig. But it can't, I can't be because my wife suggested oh, sorry, it. Oh, sorry. I read that. So we're good. Um, so it's funny. I was... My, my, my main uh, knowledge of mud wrestling up until last year was the movie Stripes. The, the you know, the scene where Ox is in there um, and just yeah. getting beat up and then John, uh, John Wayne or yeah. Bill Murray gives him the, the pep talk. And then last year I went to Chicago and a friend of mine is involved in a kind of punk rock uh, mud wrestling troupe. Oh wow! That goes in on a I guess on a monthly basis to so this punk rock bar in in Chicago. Oh, they I thought they meant bouts like, and stuff like that. They don't go to gymnasiums at high schools and. <laughs> yeah, they they're part of the dare. It's part of the dare program. Touring educational. Yeah, what you've seen the, today. The one the one twelves and under. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's part of the That sounds of, super cool. Yeah, it's part of the dare program. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so she does this and they they have like six or seven bouts in a night and they they get very like like pop culture kind of costumes and these kind of like big pro wrestling personas. So it kind, of, it kind of turns into almost like a burlesque performance yeah. of wrestling. They're, yeah, it's got elements take, of that for sure. They're taking it back for themselves. Yeah, it's certainly got, it's got elements of that or like roller derby or something like cool. that. And then you've got girls rolling around in mud. Yeah. So it's really the best just... of both worlds. You've got female empowerment. Plus, occasionally a boob will pop out. So it's, it's good for it's everybody. It's ultimate in female empowerment, I think. And I've lived in Los Angeles now for, gosh, 
23 years? Bragging. You Mr. haven't seen one Big boob shot. pop out. <laughs> we have not seen a boob yet. Anyone, anyone, we, have, we, have a, can. we have a couple of friends that have posted about it. About mud wrestling? Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I lived here when the, uh, the Hollywood Tropicana was still a thing. And I, I just never went. It was a big, basically it was a mud wrestling club. It was up on Western and like wow. Fountain or something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah, it was just every night they would have like mud wrestling with the ads would be like the most beautiful girls in Los Angeles mud wrestling. So, <laughs> really? We sure about this? Uh, I think of mud wrestling and I don't know. I'm, I'm not like prissy, but I am just so grossed out by like, I don't like to like touch a chicken when I'm cooking it. Like I'm like I just need to wash my hands instantly. So like the idea of just like any sort of mud wrestling just being slipped down is just like I'm so uh, I get the just shivers. So it's actually there's there was a big debate about what because it's not actually mud. Is it like the stuff that they use to like grease up baseballs? It's like a polymer of some sort. It's like water <laughs> plus this thing called pyrolite. Huh. So it's like huh. it's like it's got a there's there's a lot of viscosity issues with like. A, Oh. With it, you know, it's not, it's not, I guess, I don't know why you couldn't just use mud. I mean, it, would, it would just seem like that would be the most, you know, common thing to use, but and maybe there's some sort of health code requirements or something like that. I, I, I don't know. But. I'm amazed that prior to reality TV, aspiring actresses thought they were going to make their uh, big debut in mud wrestling, it seems. Like, why other than that would somebody do that? Yeah. Other than $25 and a free drink. Well, there you go, right there. Okay. Right. So, uh, by the way, there, there, there are the mud queens of Chicago. So if anyone was in the Chicago area, does Bill Murray own that team? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's one of the minor league teams he owns. No, so if you're in if you're in the Chicago area or will be, go to Reggie's and go check out the Mud Queens. All right, we'll post the link in comments. Michael, what are you leading off with? Uh, so my pick is the biggest piece of dirt, biggest piece of earth on this uh, our earth, I guess. The, the wrestler earthquake? No, it is Mount Everest. Ah. Uh, it is the tallest mountain located uh, uh, along the uh, Nepal and Tibet mountain range. Although, you know, there's uh, some butthurt uh, mountains that uh, say, hey, no, we're taller. And that's uh, Manukea in Hawaii, which it wants to measure itself from the base of the ocean floor. And it just seems like that's just a big rock measuring. That doesn't <laughs> exist, yeah. If I can't see it, it doesn't yeah. exist. That's my, uh, my take on science, by the way. Mount Everest is at uh, 29,029 feet above sea level, and it's a hell of a place to go. It is super dangerous. It is, um, technically, it's in the death zone of where you don't want to be. It is so <laughs> that, that sounds bad. It is so high that, like, you... Like, How high is it? Just don't go to there. Over 200 bodies are currently just littered across. Yeah, because if you, that's right, because if, if, if you, like, die during the descent or descent, yeah. they don't rescue you or don't, don't take the body out. They They'll do have the rule, there. take only photographs, leave only corpses. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so if if you ever get the wild idea to climb, climb Mount Everest, mm-hmm. you're going to pass frozen dead bodies that will be there for forever. Wow. They're often used as, like, weird markers about how high you are. Like, they've identified who some of these people are. I've used lots of markers for how high I am in the past for those never dead bodies. Do these people who go ignore the speaker that plays the message, abandon all hope ye who enter here? There's a big floating head with like tentacles. It's That's the one that they can afford and they just got it on loan from Disney. So do the yetis help to take care of the dead bodies or? <laughs> you groom them. There's like bits and nice. pieces uh, picked off. Nice of them. Mrs. Yeti. Ugh, another one. Um, I don't know what the Mount, Mount Everest is made out of rocks, I assume. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that's not a mountain. That's that's for like nerds to yeah. get into. I don't have okay. all the details, but um, I don't. It's one of those things that like it's made out of dead bodies. Um, it was uh, named Mount Everest um, after it was discovered in the eighteen uh, hundreds, which seems like what you would have discovered this mountain way before. Well, you know what they used to do. Is, I'm sure there were people who discovered it. It just wasn't white people who. Had it, discovered that's it. correct. The uh, uh, Royal Geographic Society uh, came. You know, they surveyed it with Bill Everest. They had a big. They had <laughs> they had a tape measure. It uh-huh. just kept going and going, <laughs> and then they eyeballed it for a while. Um, so how do you measure this, by the way? Is it, I mean, I guess now you can do it with like lasers. GPS and and kind of calculating stuff. But back then, how, I mean, before you had all this stuff, yeah, how did you measure height when you didn't have like satellites and things? like I that? I don't know. I mean, it, it, so someone who's smarter than us, can you? work on this I, I know we, I've got friends who work in like JPL and stuff like that so let me know please the, the only other thing I want to say about Mount Everest is that um, it wasn't first climbed until 1953 like they didn't no one got to the top of it mm-hmm. or it was recordedly gotten to the top of it I guess like you said uh, mm-hmm. like no, no official white guy got to the top yeah. of it till that's all that matters till 1953 and it's wild to think that like humans have been building gigantic structures you know, like, yeah. you know, the Great Pyramids have been around since 3000 BC. They've been around for 5,000 years. And there's just this thing that no one has mm. been able, like, you'd think that within that time, there'd be something, but hey, it was the 50s. Yeah. I have an onion book, and it's like a fake atlas of the world. And in their uh, thing about Nepal, they have a, a date, like a timeline thing. It says, you know, 1953, Sir Edmund Hillary becomes the first person to climb Mount Everest. Um, aided by his guide, who also climbed Mount Everest with 500 pounds of gear on his back. <laughs> da, 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 da. So uh, we are on to wind. What's your first? Oh, wow. Sound effects. Sound effects. So wind, also known as air, sometimes. You know, so okay. one of the, the elements also sure. known as air. So um, I went with something fun. This was my favorite, one of my favorite games to play at the amusement park uh, arcade. Also had one of these bad boys in my home. It was an air hockey Machine. You had an air hockey game. We were one of the, wow. we were, yeah. I don't know. Was what, it a big one or was it one of those ones that you kind of put on the ground and kind of. Was it a multi You know what? Maybe I'm thinking. Thing. It was like a multi table thing, I yeah. think. Maybe I'm thinking of the uh, electronic football. Look, maybe ahead, you sorry. are, yeah. But I, air hockey's great. Look, when you go to the arcade, especially me, I got a nine year old and a four year old. Um, give me a brag, by the way. It's, but it's. A lot of times when the kids are younger, there's not a lot of stuff for them to play even at the arcade. I mean, there's, there's like a certain age you have to be to be able to play most of the, the video games. But every kid can play air hockey. Yeah. Just get up there. It's just the puck. And you got the, the paddle. And you just start whacking the hell out of it. I feel like you named the most dangerous game at the arcade. Too. Yes, I did. Okay. Absolutely. Because you, readily... you can pretty much guarantee somebody's going to get their finger smashed yeah. Yeah. between puck and paddle. I like that there's that weird, when you're playing air hockey, there's that weird groove you can get into. Where you can you just know that one angle that you yeah. can yeah. puck at that's going to go in every time, and whoever you're playing will always miss it for whatever uh-huh. reason. They're they're <laughs> flinging their 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 paddle back and forth, and it's just it goes you know that yeah. one yeah. one hop one clang in. Other like, we, uh, go ahead. I just feel like you're you're discovering their neural pathways, like you yeah. figure out where their, their blind spot was or their. Yeah, you're looking into their soul yeah, and yeah. seeing what the, what their weaknesses are. So other weird stuff that can happen when you play air hockey include. 
uh, when the puck gets stuck in the middle and nobody can reach it. Mm -hmm. And then you have to decide, okay, is it legal for you to go around the side to be able to yeah. get it? And then if you do that, can you have to you have to get back to your goal in time to be able to defend it. Then there's the trapping the puck yeah. at the goal, which is total BS. And don't mm -hmm. do that, but somebody will do mm -hmm. and they'll say, well, it was an accident, but it wasn't. Um, there's also the throwing the, the paddle at some point. Everyone does that as well. Or having two paddles and having one in each hand. I like my, my other favorite thing is like halfway through when the Zamboni comes out and clears all of the air <laughs> right. off the board. There's one, there's one at a, what was it, Castle Park, our favorite L.A. Park's amusement mm -hmm. uh, park. Do you know there's like an L.A. Park thing, by the way? No. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like run by the uh, city, uh, which is weird. Or it's on city ground. That's weird. If you go to like that, it's, it's Sherman Oaks. Yeah, it's in Sherman Oaks, and their mm -hmm. actual website is part of that. LA mm -hmm. Anyway, digression. Um, we went there not too long ago with the kids, and they have this new version of air hockey where it's like you've got the main pucks, and then randomly every once in a while, there's like a big plinko board mm -hmm. that's filled with smaller pucks, and it, it will just release like 20 or 30 smaller oh, wow. pucks, and you get like bonus points. For the smaller ones that you get in uh -huh. as well. You know, when we do our Mount Rushmore of fixes to sports, yeah, uh, I'm going to fix hockey, regular hockey with that. <laughs> just like that, right? Just suddenly there's like 20 ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I think the other way, too, if, air, if in air hockey you could just pull off your gloves and just slug each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Wait, you can't? Oh, sure. I've been playing with my kids wrong this whole time. And David Buster's is a four-way air hockey. Oh, I've seen that yeah. before, too. It just seems kind of... Cutthroat. Yeah, yeah. cutthroat, yeah. That's Richard's wind. What's your wind, Michael? Uh, my wind is wind power slash wind farms. Look at this hippie over here. <laughs> Listen, let's get it together. Go back to Russia. People, America. This is worse than that uh, solar highways stick that was going around on the internet a month ago. Um, I love giant wind turbines. I think they're great. I think that they are weirdly beautiful. It's amazing how much effort we go to not to do things that make sense. Like, I'm not like a big hippie guy. I'm not like a big, oh, save the earth guy. But like, the very obvious things like solar power and like huge wind turbines, that yeah. all they do is generate energy. Yeah. And they account for less than like 5% of energy creation. Well, are, are you willing to have one of these in your house? Are Where you are gonna, we going to put all these? Are you going to go up against the powerful butane lobbies? Yeah. We big, can, big butane. We can put, yeah. It's big. Big wind is uh, needs to step up its game against big I've, oil. I've stepped up my, my big wind game <laughs> in the past. Uh, they they are beautiful. They remind me of windmills, and they have a very yeah. I, I take a windmill over a wind turbine any day of the week. Well, uh, it's been estimated that you can generate something like ten percent of America's power just by the wind turbines in like North Dakota. Wow. Like, I guess there are some pockets of of North Dakota. Listen, I don't know if you're listening to this right now. Entire state. You've got nothing else going for you. We do have listeners in the Dakotas, yeah. I should point that well, out. Well, specifically Minot. Just, just phone it in. We have a listener in Minot. Just pack it in. <laughs> we shouldn't um, be, of all the places we shouldn't be uh, uh, slamming right now, it's, Fargo. it's Minot. Anyway. Fargo, Fargo, we can, we can wrap up. <laughs> so, when, I mean, windmill, the idea of windmill power has been in, you know, in use since like 700 mm -hmm. AD. It's been used by, it's been invented in. Afghanistan and Iran, and it's been used to do. Oh yeah, well, so so if Iran and Afghanistan are behind it, I'm supposed to like it. I think we where are we gonna. I think it's about time that we stop start deporting these wind with these wind turbines back where they belong. 
Listen, I have wind in my name almost without a D. So I think I know a little bit about uh, air, air power. Don't take the thing out of his sails, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you should be the thing beneath his wings. Yeah, put your thing back in my sails. Oh, boy. Um, anyway, so I, I just one of those things where it seems like a no-brainer, but it'll, it'll just never happen. Just kind of that's that's sad. So we've each put in our first two choices, earth and wind. And so coming up, we've got fire and water. And this is the point in the podcast where I implore you, the listener, to join us in our dialogue on Facebook, on our website, mountrushmorepodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. We, we, we're even on Instagram, though there, you wouldn't know it. And there's so much fun to be having, having a dialogue and having you there. For us, we love to hear your comment, the time you've commented. And it really keeps us going. And for just pennies a day, you can sponsor Richard and Michael and I and make sure that we have warm, healthy meals and the vitamins that we need to grow to be uh, strong, healthy adults. All right, so let's get back. Uh, fire is the next category, Richard. All right, so I debated Fireball. No, I did not debate Fireball at all. Oh, you mean the booze? Yeah, the no. awful booze? No thanks. Or Pass. the Daddy Yankee song? Or is that the Pitbull? We're moving on. Anyway, um, so I did go with the song, though. I went with the uh, Jerry Lee Lewis classic, Great, Great Balls of Fire. That's awesome. <laughs> it is an amazing song. You broke my wheel, but what a thrill. Goodness gracious, Great Balls of Fire. I let you love what I thought it was funny. You came along and moved me, honey. I've changed my mind. This world is fine. Great Balls of Fire. Goodness gracious, that's a great Goodness thing. gracious, yeah. It was ranked as the 96th greatest song ever by Rolling Stone, which, you know, there have been a few hundred songs in history, so I yeah. think 96 is pretty That's good. Yeah, certainly in the top 20% of all mm -hmm. songs, I would say. Uh, actually, I didn't realize it. it sold 1 million copies within 10 days of its release, which for the 1950s is just, like, massive. Wow. And it's, to me, it's really pretty much the, for me, it might be the classic kind of 50s mm -hmm. rockabilly song. I mean, it's got this amazing sort of boogie-woogie meets rock and roll style of piano that Jerry Lee Lewis mm -hmm. basically invented. And just the, the vocals are just yeah. insane. I mean, it's got as much energy as any punk rock song from the 70s or any, mm -hmm. any you know, rock song that you would hear today. It's just got maybe even more kind of crazy energy than, than all those songs. records. And it was for a, a movie called Jamboree, which was like one of those kind of like Early rock and roll, which yeah. is like 20 bands all doing a song, and there's no oh, plot. Cool. And they had originally given it to Carl Perkins, a choice of two songs, and he chose the other song that wasn't a hit, mm -hmm. because Carl Perkins perpetually just had the worst yeah. goddamn luck of any so musician close. ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Jerry Lee Lewis wound up taking this over. It was written by Otis Blackwell, who uh, wound up writing Love Me Tender and All Shook Up for Elvis. Oh, yeah wrote uh, Fever, which became a big hit for Peggy Lee. A mm -hmm. bunch of other classic songs. Yeah. If you guys... Don't Be Cruel, Otis wrote that. Yes. Yeah. So if you get a chance to um, listen to his version of the song, it's actually more up-tempo and kind of wild than Jerry Lee Lewis's, which is kind of crazy. Mm. So I, I, I was a big Jerry Lee Lewis fan growing up. I was a big Rockabilly fan. Still am. Um, so this is just, just like the... You're, it's almost impossible to find a, a rock song that's going to have more energy mm -hmm. than this. You could almost, no offense to the song, you could almost take out the line Great Balls of Fire and replace it with some other exclamation, and the yeah. song would be just... Like, I'm, I was sitting here, like, as uh, singing it in my head, 
and it, it it doesn't actually mean anything. No, it's just it's just it's words. just it's just an yeah. it, it's just a great expression. It yeah. does also feel like uh, what was it? Uh, goodness gracious, let's go play chess. You know I, that would change <laughs> that, it yeah, a little bit. Probably but. wouldn't be as good. Who was Jerry's cousin, the preacher? Oh, uh, Jerry Falwell. Yeah, it solely seems. Oh, really? To have yeah. biblical a biblical connotation as well, like great balls of fire, almost feels like. Some kind of thing that uh, could be raining down upon us were we to take uh, uh, mm. sides with the devil. In, in fact, the story goes that when uh, Sam Phillips gave him the song, he didn't want to do it at first because he was worried about the uh, the uh, lustful connotations of it. Um, of course, by the end of the session, he got drunk and was was talking about how much pussy he wanted to get. So yeah. that's kind of Jerry Lee Lewis yeah. in a nutshell, right there. Yeah, no, his uh, his cousin was Jerry Falwell, and his uh, other cousin was. Uh, uh, Mickey Gilly. Oh, wow. Yeah. Or Second cousin. Something yeah, related. they're all related. Yeah, yeah, which is really weird. Good but choice. Great right? yeah. choice. All right. What's your fire? My fire Michael. is the Human Torch. The best. Uh, I'll talk about both versions of the Human Torch. The first one, uh, created in 1939, was um, an android that was created as Whoa. the ultimate in human in, in technology. Uh, you know, I guess the Human Torch was always kind of like or fire has always been like, you know, a Prometheus man mm -hmm. stealing fire from the gods is the first technology. But uh, when this came out, it was just like, you know, the, the next level androids were all the rage in the 30s. Mm -hmm. Or that was, you know, that future technology was always kind of, has always been big in science fiction or, in, you know, in comic books. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it was a character that it was just built as a robot, but it had some sort of defect and it, upon touching air, kind of combust into flame and turn into kind of this where frame. was this depicted was this comics, comics? yeah this was oh. a, a in it was marvel comics or was before it was before it was marvel it was timely comics um, and then um that human torch eventually you know was seen as a monster and seen as a horrible thing but then yada yada humanity and became a good guy teamed up with captain america you know that guy yeah uh teamed up with namor the submariner oh. who they battled with a ton and uh, went and fought the Nazis. It's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, the original Human Torch was pretty interesting. He had like a little sidekick, the way that Captain America had Bucky. He had Toro. <laughs> oh yeah, it was just like another little robot <laughs> boy that he hung out with. Although I don't think like like Namor had like a little goldfish, <laughs> fishy friend. He just had like a minnow that swam yeah. with him. <laughs> um, and then in the '60s, you know, for a while, I think people forget that like. You know, Captain America was huge in the 40s and mm -hmm. slightly into the 50s and then just kind of went away. And then kind of Stan Lee resurrected uh, Captain America and brought him back. And kind of he did the same thing with the Human Torch when he reintroduced him with the Fantastic Four uh. in 1961. And what I like about the Fantastic Four for that version is that each four of those characters kind of represented the four elements mm -hmm. as well. The thing was a big rock guy, and Human Torch was fire, obviously. Uh, Invisible Woman was air, and Mr. Fantastic was water. And there was interesting, and who knows, like, I think Stan Lee was kind of like one of these George Lucas kind of revisionist type guys, mm -hmm. where he created things, and then things sounded like he could kind of rewrite like a history. Like years yeah. later, he came back and said, "Oh yeah, I meant I meant, I meant for it to be this because you yeah, know, really like, yeah. was nothing." You know, like uh, you know, the thing is Ben Grimm and he's gruff and has a rocky personality, mm -hmm. and I'm uh, Stanley. 
And like he kind of <laughs> did that with all four characters, but um, I don't know. The Human Torch has just been a pretty interesting yeah. character that's been around for. It's so funny that uh, you mentioned Captain America too, when Chris Evans played Johnny Storm. That's right. And, I forgot yeah, about that. And was such exuberance too, because he always felt like the one, you know, the one that cared. What's that? The one that cared. The one that cared. <laughs> or you just like seemed like he had so much fun being the Human Torch after he transitioned, after they all realized that their lives were forever changed. Those movies are so good. All of them. Each time. <laughs> when a Roger Corman version of it is actually the best thing they've done. I started watching like the new version on yeah. HBO. It is so <laughs> awful. It's, am it's, amaz it's amazing how like they can just yeah. hurt your feelings. Yeah. On something that you have no, uh -huh. you have like this weird investment in like a thing that you grew up with, and then you're just like, oh, oh that is, why did you do? That? I remember learning of the term Ashcan copy in regards to publishing, yeah. when you must to retain the rights to something within a certain time frame, release something that you will create but you will destroy. And I think the Roger Corman really? fantastic. Is that, yeah, is that the, yeah, that's the I did I never knew the origin of and that. They call it Ashcan because you know, they used to they used to bring around to like comic book, comic cons all the time and they'd just be like a black and white like Kinko's copy of a comic. It was I never knew that. Yeah. And they're knowing we, we will publish it and we will put it on the rack for one second and or one one copy of it and destroy every copy we can in order that we may retain the rights to it. It seems like Fox is doing that with Fantastic Four. And you're right, I think the Roger Corman movie was some version of that where they licensed the right out somehow to be... I, there's some... It has something to do with it. Yeah. The history of Marvel Comics is really strange. At some point, it was owned by Panini, the is it, sticker company. Is it Doctor Strange? <laughs> uh, before he got his doctorate. No, oh. it, like, at some point, like, in the... in the 80s or early 90s, like, Marvel went bankrupt. Yeah. And so... And, they were purchased by a sticker company a sticker out of company. Europe or like wow. Belgium or something. I guess Belgium's in Europe. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I've got my Copa America paninis, by the way. I do. <laughs> That's wild. And like eventually they kind of had, you know, they got their solvency back mm -hmm. and have turned into, you know, obviously Disney brought them out. It's nuts now. Oh, I see. Uh, by the way, I should point out the when you said Human Torch, my first thought was not um, the comic book character. My first thought was Dan Aykroyd on a talk show. Talking about like dangerous yeah. Halloween costumes. Yeah. yeah, Johnny Human Torch. You just put it in there, you light it, it's great. Johnny Human Torch. E Buzz Mainway and his uh, sidekick. <laughs> exactly. Invisible Pedestrian, another one of my great inventions. So we've each done Earth, Wind, and Fire. We are now on to Richard with Water. Okay, so for my water, I'm going back to my childhood and growing up in the Central Valley near the mighty Kings River. One of the mightiest rivers in California, certainly the mightiest in Central California. And what we would do, good chunks of our summer, go on river floats. Oh wow! So this is if you guys didn't grow up someplace that had access to a river. I know, Michael, you have the L.A. River, so I'm sure you guys were floating down the L.A. River all the time. No, you just see things floating in the L.A. River. <laughs> bodies and you, occasionally. And you, and you just walk the other direction. <laughs> right, bodies occasionally. Union organizers. Yeah. You drive your cars. Half of your half of your cars. At the top of the river, then go a few miles, drop off some other cars at the bottom, and you'd go back up to the top, and then everybody would just get on inner tubes, whatever you happen to have, and just go on a float for a few miles. And it is the perfect way to spend a summer day, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I just, we're, we're, we're going up, uh, my family's going up to Tahoe next week, and one of my favorite activities is just do what we call the, uh, the float and bake. Because you just get out there and you just 
you know, attempt to slather yourself up with a sunscreen, but there's zero percent chance that you're on the <laughs> in the water where it's yeah. like you know ninety degrees plus you're in altitude plus you got everything reflecting off the water. You're, you're going to get burned. Is there some imbibing of beverages along the way? Or? There may be. Okay. There you, you may have a, a, a cooler filled with some. Uh, Dude, I'm not a cop. Beverage. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a. I'm not a river cop. <laughs> Oh, River Cops, by the way, which is the uh, which is a, a bad cop spinoff. <laughs> I, I, I we won't on the Trekkie River float because we've got the family there. But I certainly on the other types of floats I went on in my life, there was certainly maybe a cooler two of uh, yeah. of your your favorite alcoholic beverage mm -hmm. um, while you're doing that. I know I went one in Missouri, oh. um, where there was uh, an abundance of women taking their tops off for no good reason while mm -hmm. blasting sticks. So you have a lot of that. It's multiple times. Did they ever get Very into mud wrestling there? The Richard end? Linkletter directed this movie. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> so I, it, it's just a big part of my, my growing up, my uh, teen years mm -hmm. and, and college years, and, and going home and doing stuff like that. So play the Wonder Years music right now. Okay, Michael, what's your water? My last one was it's it's hard to talk about art on a podcast. It's hard to talk about a visual thing and. You can do it with, like, the Human Torch. Um, mine is the Great Wave of Kanagawa, uh, which was a Japanese uh, woodblock print um, from the 1830s um, by the artist um, Hoks Hokusai, Japanese artist. You, this, is a, this, is, this is the image... Oh, he's Japanese? Yes. Thanks for pointing that out. Thanks, a-hole. Uh, this, is, this is the wave print that, you, that everyone knows. It, it kind of looks like a, uh, a yin and yang. It's a big wave that's crashing oh, okay. uh, into Japan with um, some uh, fishing boats with Mount Fuji. Sounds like a great tattoo. <laughs> um, it was one of these just perfect... It's, it's probably the most well-known piece of Japanese art that's ever existed. And uh, he did a, like a series of... Like, it was like 34... Uh, 34... Uh, different views of Mount Fuji, and they were all kind of built on, I mean, just that, 34 different uh, images of Mount Fuji as, like, woodblock print. He later went on to do, like, 100 views. Like, he loved, this is one, like, this artist loved getting into Mount Fuji. Well, it's no Mount Everest, I'll tell you that. No, no, it's, uh, you know. What t is it that speaks to you about this art? I think that the image itself has just always been pretty powerful. It, mm -hmm. looks, it, it looks like... It's hard to say that it looks like it's alive, but it looks like it's something that's in motion. It looks like water is moving. It looks like it has life and has energy. And um, I think it's been copied multiple times, and no one has ever quite gotten it mm. quite right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just a, a nice, perfect representation of water. Water. All right, so we have all two of us registered our four choices for Earth. Wind, oh, what is Jeff gonna fire, his water? Oh, man. Is he, he going to choose four? Is he going to choose, like, is he the fifth element here where, he, where the he's power like, of love is, is Jeff he's the guiding Pete, us all? He's the Pete Best of uh, <laughs> elements. And the Stu Sutcliffe. I'll die of a brain tumor in the middle. Okay, that's not funny. Yeah. So I'm going to choose just water because water can destroy all of your fire, wind, earth. Water can just do about any cool thing it wants to. And I grew up in the Midwest, so half the time you saw water... It was snow, and I want to talk to you about my love affair. Hold on, what's, what's that? With I snow. Don't understand. Okay, water, wind. 
Uh, Richard, when water gets very cold, it turns into this thing called snowflakes, and each one is exactly alike. Ooh. And that's why they're able to interlock into a snowball, or an igloo, or a um, snowball, did I say? And as a kid, I had so much fun dealing with the transformed landscape that happens after a big snowfall happens, and how it can turn into a transportation device when you get a sleigh, or a dumpster lid, or a tray that you steal from the dorm and have fun. And that's my um, freeform poetry, uh, comedy poetry jam about snow. Okay, now it's my moment, my opportunity, my great pleasure to judge these guys on what they say and do. And um, although Michael uh, had some great choices. Butt. Yeah, that's a, that's a big hammer. Michael came at it from a real, like, esoteric, intelligent, uh, um, um, kind of Wolfram uh, encyclopedia. My apologies to yeah. everyone listening. Uh, and Richard kind of came at it, I think, really emotional and from a place of nostalgia. And I really believed everything that he um, uh, talked about was something that he felt tactily and really enjoyed. So I chose them both. This is another tie. No, no, I hate to say it. No, it's like kissing your no, sister. No, it really almost feels no, like it's been no. a waste of time for them. But guys, this is another tie. This is the second time in the history of the Mount Rushmore podcast. We need a tiebreaker. That I've been not decisive enough. Yeah, let's, let's get oiled up. I'll get oiled up. I'll get my spandex on. We'll get the, the ring on here. Let's go. That's really the fairest thing. Okay, guys, we're going to break this tie with a mud wrestling session. That'll happen immediately after we stop podcasting. Guys. Check the Facebook Live. We'll get the video <laughs> going. We'll get the uh, horizontal thing going at the time. It'll be good. My name has been Jeff. Uh, I'm Richard. I'm Michael. He talks about how dirty Mount Everest is, and that's why he would never climb it. We'll know that he has OCD. <laughs>